Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard, and we just came through a really action-packed weekend of football. Let's get started by talking about the game of the year, A&M in Bama. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, yeah, I definitely want to um, go ahead and agree with you on that statement. I mean, it was a riveting uh, Saturday and Sunday of football. But first, we should get started in College Station, Texas, right down deep in the heart. Um, Al- uh, Texas A&M slogan was beat the hell out of Alabama, and they sure did that for the first 10 minutes of that game. That was eerily similar to last year's showdown in Tuscaloosa as A&M got off to a 14-0 lead with Johnny Manziel hitting on all cylinders. And it was just incredible watching pretty much the whole weight of the university and the nation is on the six foot one shoulders of Jonathan Manziel. And he came out there and had all the expectations, all the hype, um, really, um, really faced squarely on again his shoulders and uh he came through and he really balled out Saturday and uh that was incredible cuz I don't think he'll ever in his whole career have a game as pressure um as much pressure as he did versus Alabama in that number one defense with Nick Saban and he pretty much put up 642 yards on Alabama for five touchdowns those two interceptions really came back to bite him but he really showed up and Mike Evans definitely made a statement to the NFL scouts that were in attendance at Kyle Field I mean that dude is a freaking beast he's he's six foot seven 255 pound receiver and he came and he runs a 4-5 so Mike Evans was just having his way he was toying with the Alabama secondary and in fact the Alabama defense had no answer for Mike Evans and he bailed out Manziel on a couple of throws so Manziel hater still have some fuel in the fire because Mike Evans clearly bailed out Jonathan Manziel a couple of times, but it was a back-and-forth battle 
but I want to hear your opinions on the game. It definitely lived up to the hype in College Station, Texas. It was an incredible football game. The 12th man that they have there in Aggieland was absolutely in full force. Every media outlet you could think of up and down the East Coast, newspapers, even from the state of Nebraska, were sent to view that SEC slugfest. And it was a slugfest indeed. And uh, everybody... The ratings for that game were a 9 out of 10 on the scale. And even Colin Cowherd, um, expert reporter today, he said that the World Series, the Fall Classic, a Wednesday of a World Series game, the most views it'll get is a 7, and there's nothing going on on Wednesday. There were 50 other college games on at that 330 slot, and it was a 9 on the scale. So every, it was just unbelievable drama, unbelievable television. The SEC in college football delivers again on Saturday. I was just so impressed by Johnny Manziel because he had so much pressure. He was eluding. I mean, pressure put on him by the media to really show up. You know, he he was out partying this summer. There were so many question marks. He was out. He was definitely giving off autographs. There's no questioning that. And it's unbelievable. When Johnny Manziel plays football, he's really the greatest thing in the world. And even the the biggest Manziel haters, even people that are really disgusted with his actions over the summer, taking autographs for his personal gain illegally, um, when he when he was inside of that of that um, rectangular field, as Nick Saban called it, I mean, I don't think that there is any. I don't think that there is anybody out there that was disappointed that he was playing in that football game. Well, I certainly agree. Uh, as a frame of reference, I remember Doug Flutie, who was my favorite college quarterback or the most excited quarterback, who certainly had uh, one amazing play, probably the best play ever, a long touchdown Hail Mary bomb. But I, I totally agree. Uh, Johnny Manziel came through, delivered. 500 yards of offense, over 400 yards in the air. And you also have to look at A.J. McCarron, who really put in a workman's-like performance for the the Bama Tide and uh, was very professional. Manziel's behavior was fine. You know, he he made a little bit of a money gesture. But overall, I think they both shined on the big stage. A.J. McCarron, I think, is really going to be a decent pro. He's, um, he's got, he showed good arm strength, good accuracy. The difference in the game really is if you look at, at the lines. The offensive line of Nebraska looks like a professional line. All 300-plus uh, mean offensive linemen. And also, you look at the defense. Uh, obviously, the secondary of the Crispin Tide got shredded by Manziel. But y- y- there's just a difference in line play. And ultimately, Bama had the big horses. And uh, the running back, I guess his name is Weldon? T.J. Yeldon. T.J. Yeldon, yes. He, uh, he certainly looked like a pro. And uh, the coaching, I thought, was, was excellent. And it was a close game, really. Uh, A&M came in at the end and tried to make it close. But Bama was really controlled the game after the first quarter. And it certainly was... Uh, a spectacle to watch. 
once Alabama started hitting their stride and once the nerves were out of the Alabama players, I mean, it was just down to a science. And there were so many question marks revolving this new offensive line that let go three of its starters last year and versus Virginia Tech in the Georgia Dome in the first game. Those offensive linemen really struggled, but that Hokie defense is really underrated. I mean, they have a talented, talented defense in Blacksburg that challenged them in Atlanta that first game. And then you really saw the Alabama offensive line dominate the Texas A&M defensive line. Yeldon was averaging six yards a pop. They were driving back the force of the defensive line. The line of scrimmage, okay, in the middle of the field, that is where football games are won and lost, okay, is the line. And Alabama just has superior horses, and that's Nick Saban. That's recruiting in the state of Florida. That's recruiting in the state of Texas. That is what builds you dynasties. You have an offensive line graduate, and then within three weeks in September, you master the system, and your horses look like seasoned veterans out there on the road in a hostile environment. I mean, A.J. McCarron played well, but to give fairness and to give due as a football scout, McCarron did have all day. He could count all his fingers and his toes and still have time to find receivers, and his receivers at that are no average slubs as well. So um, you look at um, you look at Cooper, number six is an absolute thoroughbred out there on the outside. Yeldon, another thoroughbred. I mean, these are guys that are going to be going within the top 20 picks, and they are going to be studs at the next level, a la Julio Jones. So Alabama's offense was so superior to Texas A&M, it wasn't funny. Johnny Manziel needed to pitch a perfect shutout. He needed to make no mistakes. And the one throw he wished he could have back is that fade route when they were up 14-7 in the first half. Or it might have been 14 all when he overthrew to his shorter receiver. He didn't go up top to his boy. He didn't go up top to the All-American wide receiver, the six foot seven stud. He didn't not go up to him. He went up to the shorter wide receiver and ended up overthrowing the football in. But it really wasn't Johnny's fault. When Alabama had the momentum in the fourth quarter down by seven, they just needed one stop, and I bet you they would have tied that football game because Manziel was on an absolute tear. But Alabama, again, their running game, I got to give McCarron credit. He stayed very poised. On third down, McCarron and his receivers were impeccable. So, I mean, A.J. AJ McCarron is a really, really special player. I mean, Manziel might have more talent in terms of running the football, in terms of making flashy plays, but AJ McCarron is about as steady as a rock. He's probably one of the top 20 SEC football quarterbacks ever to live. So AJ McCarron just ice water on third downs, and that's where you that's where you win the game. I mean, Alabama is the clutchest team I have ever seen play football in these last three years. That's a testament to their coach. I mean, their offense wasn't leaving the field on third down, and that's where you see guys in the NFL that struggle. You look at Blaine Gabbert, you look at Nicholas Foles. 
you look at quarterbacks like Jimmy Clausen. They're ex- they're okay with leaving the field on third down. They're not going to hang in the pocket. They're not going to make a critical throw to the tight end on third down and seven in a hostile environment when they need a first down. So that's what separates A.J. McCarron from average NFL quarterbacks. That's what separates good ones from great ones is those third and eights backed up against your own 20-yard line and converting, hanging in the pocket and making a throw and your receiver catching the ball and your move moving the sticks and getting three more fresh plays. You cannot go three and out and expect to win games, and that's what Alabama did, and that's where they deserve a big pat on the back. So it looks like we are running up against the break here. So many more thoughts about that epic showdown in College Station, Texas. An unbelievable spectacle of football. Just back and forth action. I've never seen Nick Saban look so flustered on a sideline and so clueless defensively as Johnny Manziel was absolutely shredding them like wheat. But again, A.J. McCarron and Yeldon saved the day. Alabama is never weak on all three phases. They never lay eggs. It's pretty incredible. Versus Virginia, their special teams was great. And versus Alabama, their offense carried their defense. The tide. So we're we're headed out um, for now. But in three minutes, don't miss it. We're taking you from Saturday to Sunday. We got some NFL recapping to do. We are going to go deep. We are going to dig our nails into this NFL slate that was presented to us two days ago. So don't go anywhere. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the next segment Bruce the Sports Doc here on the best network in internet radio, Voice America. We want to again thank um, our president, Jeff Spinard, and Ray Ellis for giving us the opportunity to get our voices out to the public eye. And what a great um, podium that we have in Voice America Sports. So I want to again thank them. So breaking news coming from deadspin.com a great youthful group of reporters um, that really break a lot of groundbreaking stories underground stories in the university in the world of sports and they were the first um, website to really break the whole Manti Teo saga they are battling up against Yahoo Sports and ESPN so those guys over at Deadspin did a terrific job they are always on the clock and always working and today they found a gem by me by what I mean by a gem is they found some something from two years ago that is going to be very relevant and you look at one of the hot spots you look at the tradition of college football and you look at some of the old original powerhouses and that really stems through the center of our great country that stems through Lincoln Nebraska the Cornhuskers of Nebraska who won two championships in the 1990s so um, under Tom Osborne they were quite a powerhouse right when I was a very young boy and they really the University of Nebraska today is making headlines in in not the in not the best way and um, other than losing to UCLA and having their football program um, begin to struggle, especially while facing the national spotlight. Today, their fiery head coach really was exposed for his actions a couple years ago. Um, coach Bo Pelini of the Nebraska Cornhuskers was quoting was quoted as saying in a video, he used the F word several times. He said to them, "I'm not going to use the F word because you know I can." I could be front off radio for for using that word, but he described reporters by saying "f you, f you." I don't want to see your face again. F you, and he said to the fans, "I hate the effing fans. They don't cut me any effing slack. They were ridiculous today." So not only is Pelini going after the individuals that cover the Nebraska Cornhuskers, he's going against Big Red Nation on this one. And Big Red, um, going into today, was especially starting to turn on Pelini due to his to his football um, depression because the Nebraska defense has been successful, successful to letting up huge and embarrassing um, amounts of yards to opponents. You know, Wisconsin last year put up 70 on them. UCLA put up 50 on them. And now we have this overhanging on Bo Pelini. So my question to you, Bruce, is of course this is negative. Of course this is a horrible thing that he said. But just how much to the degree um, with what Bo Pelini said? You heard the audio via Deadspin. How would you go about this situation now if you were Nebraska? Well, um, 
Several thoughts on this topic. Number one, a coach of a football team shouldn't be cursing. He shouldn't be cursing when talking to reporters. I believe that he he was off air. That is, he wasn't aware that this was being recorded. But in this day and age, as we learned uh, recently in Philadelphia, we learned from Riley Cooper, so many Hollywood uh, examples where the actors are getting conflicts with paparazzi. It's virtually no op- there's no chance where you could really be totally safe against being recorded. So number one, on one hand, this was two years ago. This wasn't something that happened. It was if this happened immediately, it would be more slightly bit more relevant. But the fact that Polini was basically saying f all the fans, all essentially all of the Nebraska fans and. The questions were about how about the fans that left early in a blowout game. And the fact that he said that, uh, I think it's important that, to note exactly the response. There's been, there have been so many calamities in, in college football punctuated by Penn State. Every, everything dwarfs in comparison to the Penn State tobacco with Sandusky and Paterno. And certainly there's a lot of literally Monday morning quarterbacks about how Penn State could have handled it better. Uh, and that was much more important. In this case, it's striking that Nebraska's, the athletic director and the, the president, uh, did not come up with a knee-jerk reaction. They didn't support the coach, nor did they say that they were going to take action. I think they were appropriate by saying they want to review the facts and have a discussion. And I think from watching everything that's going on, uh, in college football, vis-a-vis the NCAA, that was a wise stance. I know that Polini has already issued an apology. I think that was smart. He got ahead of the story and basically said he was wrong and issued an apology. And I think that it all depends. You know, it, it, things are going to move in one of two directions. On one hand, the ball could just keep rolling. The momentum could keep coming. And... Nebraska might be just forced into into getting rid of the coach. On the other hand, uh, with Johnny Manziel, for instance, I I thought he would be facing a year suspension, and somehow the end the NCAA investigated. They chose that he would be um, penalized by missing one half of football. I think that was probably the most minor uh, penalty he could have expected, given the fact that he most definitely profited and, and made money from his autographs. But this is a different story. This is a coach that's supposed to be a role model. Uh, I, I've heard, you know, we've 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 seen a lot of examples where coaches yell at their own at their own players, or sometimes even strike them physically. But actually cursing out the the, the f bombs over and over again, I, I don't really remember that at all. I mean, I think it's somewhat groundbreaking. Pelini, I think, is the, is a fiery coach. I think for the most part. He's respected by the fans in Nebraska. They're obviously having an off year, but I, I don't think we can predict at this early time what's going to happen. So I, I don't mean to ride the fence, but I, I think either A, there's going to be damage control, he's going to apologize and it's just going to continue. I don't think the NCAA is going to get involved in this. Uh, I think they've got bigger fish to fry elsewhere. But clearly this this is a blockbuster story, and we're going to keep the fans of Voice America apprised of of the events as they continue. Right now, as we go to press, it's it's Monday night, 
and uh, and this you're listening to the show on Tuesday afternoon. That's typically how we do it. So, uh, Spencer, let me just kick it back to you, and then I want to get into some NFL football. Yeah, you know, you look at Bo Pelini and uh, his fiery attitude. You know, the University of Nebraska has has kind of embraced this coach in certain ways. You know, you see a lot of the fans. They even jokefully make fun of Pelini. Um, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, Pelini even acknowledged his fiery attitude. He actually had a hammer and he had a phone, and there was a really funny prank that he played with his team where he actually um, smashed a, f- a phone of one of the senior linebackers or defensive ends, Fat Evans, and um, the whole t- and it was a joke basically. Um, him and Fad planned it, and then his team got to go see the movies afterwards. I'm mentioning this because Pelini knows that he has a tot temper. In fact, his defensive coordinator John Papuchis is pretty much another another younger puppet of Pelini on the sideline. He's very animated, um, wears his emotions on his sleeve. So um, Pelini has acknowledged this about him. He knows he's a serious, hard nosed coach, but he knows when to have fun. And his players, for the most part, seem to respect Bo Pelini, even. His former players, they seldom really say anything wrong about Bo Pelini. So this is really, I mean, people were talking about Pelini in terms he was on a hot seat because Nebraska got embarrassed by Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. They haven't won a, tit- a Big Ten title in about seven years. And he was supposed to be the savior of the program after Bill Callahan left, and that tenure was kind of a disaster. Um, so really, it was all football-related turmoil with Bro Pelini. But now that this came out, I think in ways the situation, other than Jerry Sandusky's crimes, this situation is really, really a problem because he insulted Dirk Chatlin, who works for the Omaha World Herald, and he insulted Tom Chattel of the Lincoln General Star. And these guys, Chatlin's 32, Chattel, if I'm not mistaken, is in his late 40s. They've been covering Husker football for the bulk of their lives. They've grown up in Nebraska, and these spirited young men have turned into um, older and wiser journalists that have been working hard with the program. And now the storied coach of this storied tradition curses them out by F.U., that's probably one of the top five insults you can call a man is to tell him F you and not even to their face behind their back, showing utter disrespect for them. I'm not going to go into, you know that it is just a horrific, horrific way to describe these these people that bust their butts working hard and covering Nebraska football. Nebraska, they don't have any pro teams. Nebraska football is a brand. The whole state of Nebraska, the whole Midwest, you know, the, the big red franchise that the Huskers attract, these journalists do a spectacular job. And there are multiple um, talk shows as long as writing for the Omaha and Lincoln General Star. And these guys, for their hard work, get paid back by this new head coach who hasn't even been there for double-digit years with an FU. I think that this dude, just in my opinion, has to be suspended for for at least four games. A four-game suspension, a leave of absence from the program to let from the program to let this thing settle down. And because if you sent him out versus the South Dakota State Jackrabbits on in Saturday's game at Memorial Stadium, you are just going to attract a very hostile crowd at that arena. 
And for this new athletic director and this new president of sports at Nebraska, he's got to really put the hammer down because this is unprecedented. This, you know, you're supposed to be tight with the media. You see Bo Pelini sees Dirk Chatlin and Tom Chattel every day, and he's seen them for five years. And I don't care what kind of mood he was in to ever say those words, even behind closed doors. There are some really psychological problems that Bo Pelini is facing. I mean, it just is, it, it really is so sad for these two for these two individuals to have to deal now with this fame that Bo Pelini has attracted for them with with saying F you so it was ridiculous well you're certainly looking at it from a, uh, a media journalistic standpoint and obviously we have our own show and you tend to identify with the journalists I personally think that cursing at the fans is, is much much worse and on a national what's going to happen is um, it's it's going to depend a lot on not only what's going on in Nebraska, but also what's happening. <laughs> We're watching uh, Ben Roethlisberger do his own version of a Houdini act and end up flashing and burning as being sacked to the 10-yard line. But it was, he did evade about 10 people in that play. Sorry for the non-sequitur, but it was hard not to mention that. <clears throat> Looks like they're wel- being welcomed to the jungle. Uh, but getting back to this, I think it'll depend on the fan reaction. Uh, Nebraska is has a large endowment of alumni, and it's much more important on how they react to it than uh, than the, the sports reporters, frankly. And uh, again, I think we've covered this fairly, you know, thoroughly. I just want to say last thing. It's hard to gauge, you know. I think that some fans will support Pelini, but. I don't think you're going to calculate the suspension. I, it's hard to calculate fan reaction exactly. I mean, you can listen to talk radio shows, but it's hard, you can't go household by household on this. It's going to come down to the athletic director making a decision. I mean, there's no way that the fans cannot be disappointed by this. I mean, he is saying F you to an entire nation of Husker fans that have bled red since they were born, since they were toddlers. So, I mean, there's no winning here for Polini, um, but it, it's hard to gauge fan reaction. Some people might play it off as not a big deal saying the F word. Um, but in that story tradition, you're supposed to be a role model for the state of Nebraska. You're supposed to be bigger than just football, and you're supposed to be a preacher of men as a head coach. So, again, I, I mean, I've voiced my opinion. The fans are not going to react to this well. That's just my prediction. And it's going to be hard for the athletic director. I don't think he's going to really hear the fans' point of view. I don't think he's going to be tucked in on every caller that calls in to talk sports radio. Well, I'll give you something that reminds me of a situation about, uh, I don't know, three to four years ago. Jimmy Rollins, after the uh, Phillies won the World Series, he went on the local talk, actually the national talk shows, and Jay Leno interviewed him. And he kind of threw a question at him about what it was like to play in Philadelphia. And and Jimmy Rollins mentioned that some of the fans were fair weather fans. And that was definitely something that was said. It didn't sit well. I believe he apologized or said it. he was taken out of context. And again, it's, we're talking about a professional who already had a guaranteed contract in place, somebody who had curried favor by, uh, by winning a, um, a world championship here in 2008. And uh, 
but he said essentially the exact same thing. He didn't curse. He didn't drop the F-bomb. And, and obviously not everybody heard it. I think a lot of people heard it, uh, heard, the, heard the replay of it, and said that the fans were fair weather. And Rollins has had a you know on and off relationship with the fans ever since. Certainly, we will dwell on that. So it's not entirely unprecedented, but we're gonna we're gonna follow the developments as they go. Well, wow, this this segment sure is uh, has gone into uh, overtime, so to speak, and uh, we have some exciting recaps coming up. And please stay with us at Voice America Sports. Bruce the Sports Doc, back in three minutes. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Talk and Spencer the Wizard. Both reporters were sent to different stadiums yesterday. And firstly, we had the Battle of the Manning Brothers, Eli versus Peyton. Spencer was sent to the Meadowlands MetLife Stadium to cover the events. 
and I'd like you to concisely uh, wrap things up for us. Tell us what your thoughts were. And also, give us a little snippet about the Fed reaction to Bill Parcells going into the Hall of Fame. Well, thank you for that lead-in, Bruce. Um, very nice job opening the segment. For the Bill Parcells fan reaction, that, that one's an easier topic to go over because the fan reaction... Um, was, of course, really positive reaction. You know, the Big Tuna is the greatest coach in, in Giants franchise history, and he won two Super Bowls, 86 and 90. And I'm sure you know the story. He dealt with a lot of personalities, Carson, Lawrence Taylor, and uh, he really um, was really a thoroughbred of Giants football. He's really the face of the franchise. I mean, a hard-nosed coach. He really preached discipline. So the fan reaction was great. He said a couple of great words about how he grew up in New Jersey, was Jersey was Jersey born and raised, and he was blessed to go on to be a New York Giants coach. The game. The Giants couldn't run the football to save their lives. I mean, David Wilson, second-round pick out of Virginia Tech. The dude, I just don't see. I just don't see flashes of what the Giants are seeing. I mean, that dude, um, he just can't get it done on a consistent basis. I mean, he ran the ball set seven times yesterday, only accounting for 30 yards. Even though he held on to the football, he's not an explosive back. But it's not all Wilson's fault. Their offensive line is young. They got rid of a lot of offensive line men that were veterans the years before, and they got no push on the Denver offensive line. They're a one-dimensional team, and Eli Manning needs that running game to do play-action pass. The Broncos were sagging back on the receiver's because they didn't respect the run. Their front four could handle the run because their offensive line is just incapable of getting any sort of push. You can't win in this league if you can't run the football at all. Third and short, the Giants were forced to throw, and that is not how you complete third downs and shorts efficiently. You have to pound the rock through the middle of a defense, and you have to have a guy just like Ben Jarvis Greenellis who could barrel through and get first downs. Running game, awful, F. Then you look at the Giants' defense. I was fairly impressed. The first half, Perry Fuel set out a beautiful game plan of sagging the defense back and letting Payton take the underneath routes, and their tackling was pretty effective. Their first half, the Giants played a brilliant first half. They they had a couple of chances to score in the red zone. They fumbled a touchdown. The Giants were right in the meat of the game. The problem is, is that since the Giants cannot run the football, running the football is so important, they eventually got exposed. Manning was forced to throw the ball way too much. He was throwing in the mid-40s again. And he just can't create plays with his feet. So you look at Kaepernick, even though he drops back to pass 40 times, he's only throwing it 30 times because he's running, you know, one-fourth at a time. Eli Manning is not a play creator. He's a distributor of the football. He runs what is set. He's a scripted player, but he's about as good of a scripted player as possible. And with a decent running game, he's he's one of the most effective quarterbacks in this game. So Eli can't do it all himself. You look at the D-line. The D-line is very weak. Peyton had all day the throw. There were no hands on Peyton. So let's look at it. Defensive line, poor. Running game, hideous. 
and that that does not mold well for success. And eventually, the cornerbacks of the Giants, um, you know, eventually Peyton was going to get out of the box, and eventually Peyton was going to be able to make some big plays. The first half, the Giants had opportunities. They had opportunities in the red zone. They squandered. They settled for field goals. And then in the second half, they made some critical mistakes, like they dropped a fumble, and Eli Manning, um, through an interception before the half. The bottom line was it was 17-16. to 16. The Giants had a fumble in their hands. They let it go. Um, and they had opportunities to really threaten the Broncos yesterday. But um, but they could they could not. They could not really threaten the, the, the Broncos. And their D-line, their running game is not good enough to go deep in these playoffs. And if they don't get that figured out, they're headed towards a 6-10 and 10 football season. Well, next we go to Lincoln Financial Field. All the hopes were up. Nobody believed that San Diego had a chance against the Eagles. But what happened? A brilliant day by Philip Rivers. Wonderful audibles. He picked apart the Eagles' defense, threw for over 400 yards, and San Diego held on to kick a last second field goal at win 33 to 30. Being at the game, there was certainly more excitement in the air than there has been in over four years. Certainly last year, uh, it was completely lethargic. Andy Reid's really been running out the string for the last few years. But the story was horrible defense, terrible safety play. Nate Allen particularly distinguished himself uh, by being burned on several plays. He was covering Antonio Gates, and you couldn't even see him in the same picture frame. The the cornerback uh, play was average at best. The line only sacked Rivers one time. It, it was totally um, the opposite of the following week. The only saving grace were two near gold near, uh, red zone turnovers at the end of the first half prevented this from being a complete blow away. But at the end of the game, everybody in the stadium knew that the Eagles couldn't stop Phillip Rivers. And as it turns out, this, San Diego only punted once the whole game. And, I, and I, you could watch a lot of football, but I really challenge you to watch a team so dominant that they only punt once in a game. And over, over 500 yards of offense... And Michael Vick and Deshaun Jackson had their best game ever. It still it was not enough. And I think this portends the future for the Eagles. You're going to see a lot of shootouts, but a team can't win if they have no defense and they can't get the other team off the field. And at this point, Chip Kelly was very honest. When asked, what are you going to do about the safety position? He's going to say, we've got to stick with the guys we have. There's no, There, there are just not good safeties on the street. At this point, if they're if they're good, they're on a team, and uh, I think it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see them make a trade or or pick somebody off of waivers. Nate Allen has has been a bust for four years, a second round draft pick, and at the end of the game, they asked him about uh, what he thought of the game, and he said it wasn't that bad, and I think that spoke volumes for the state of denial of Nate Allen, the exact opposite of Brian Dawkins, a fiery safety. And league-wide safety is a thin position. But uh, it was very disappointing to see the Eagles go down in flames. 
Luckily, they're in a division where virtually all the other teams lost. And at 1-1, one and one, they're tied with the Cowboys at the top of the division. And a really exciting game coming up uh, in the sense that it's going to be Andy Reid coming back. The old coach is coming back on Thursday Night Football under the bright lights. And uh, also Donovan McNabb is going to have his number retired. So this was a bit of a short segment. We've got a lot of football left to cover. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in three minutes. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. We're back. Thanks for hanging in. Bruce the Sports Doc. A lot of football. It's time to go around the league, and let's get deep into the analysis. Let's deal with the best teams in the league. Certainly, Seattle-San Francisco was the headline game of the weekend. And... At home, the 12th man certainly made an impression on the game. 136.6 on the voice speedometer. They didn't just make an impression on the game. They made history. Guinness Book of World Record for volume in a stadium at the CenturyLink Center. 
or the CenturyLink Arena, I should say, in Seattle, Washington. The way that arena is, the way that stadium is constructed, it is really powerful and hard for um, for visiting teams going into sidelines to hear noise. And even after a weather delay of an hour, the 49ers could not seem to function in that hostile environment. And that game told me two things: one, that Pete Carroll revamped Seahawks defense is nothing to play with. They are unbelievable. They swarm. Seahawks are known as swarming creatures. These Seahawks that are football players are swarming athletes. And Seattle, if they get home field advantage, they're a lock to go to the and to go to the um to go to the Super Bowl in New York. Russell Wilson managed the game, but it was Richard Sherman. He he could get league MVP, this guy. He can shut down any wide receiver. He embarrassed Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden might as well not even made the trip up to Seattle. I mean, after accounting for 240 yards, being a superstar in week one, he was invisible because Richard Sherman blanketed him. He threw a tarp over Anquan Bolden. Um, Colin Kaepernick, one of the most highly touted quarterbacks, especially after week one, out-dueling Mr. A-Rod. The Seattle Seahawks absolutely bested him. They shrugged him off like he was nothing. Not a six foot four superhuman NFL quarterback that this league has never seen before. No. He was a regular guy and he was bait. He was fresh bait for the Seahawks nest. So Seattle, best team in the NFL by far. They need home field though, because in San Francisco, I expect the Niners to win a close game. But if this game is in Seattle, Seattle's going to beat Denver for the Super Bowl, no question about it. Well, let's flip over to uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that team certainly showed a lot of promise in Game 1 against the Patriots. It, it barely lost. But this time, they were playing the Carolina Panthers. And in the shootout, the Bills eked by and won the game by one point, 24-23. So, certainly... Teams like Buffalo, teams like San Diego, who have won exactly no Super Bowls, had a really good day yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. EJ the Kid Manuel outdueled Cam Newton. Cam Newton had a lot of opportunities to put that game into a double-digit scoring column late in the fourth quarter. The team was leading by three, leading by six. He couldn't push it to nine. Cam Newton overthrows a lot of guys. Ron Rivera runs a very conservative offense for him. I think he's definitely under underplaying his true potential, Cam Newton, in this Carolina. The defense has a lot of skilled players, some tremendous linebackers, you know, Greason in the secondary. Um, they have a lot of guys that can play defense, and the Bills were just given too many opportunities um, to tie to tie or win the game. Got to give hats off to EJ Manuel. What a last drive, especially for a rookie. Buffalo's got to be really feeling great about their crimson kid that they drafted out of Florida State. EJ Manuel, Stevie Johnson made some big plays on the offensive side of the ball. Now I want to take this party to the Midwest to Arrowhead, and the Chiefs really validated that they are a threat to make the playoffs in this. AFC. What do you think about Big Red Kansas City Chiefs? Well, firstly, um, it looks like Andy Reid has had a rebirth. Uh, won won a, a tight game against Dallas yesterday. Certainly they have an excellent defense, particularly their secondary. And I believe that Alex Smith has shown that Andy Reid is, is really excellent at managing quarterbacks and giving him his confidence. Certainly 
He was embarrassed in San Francisco to be benched in favor of Colin Kaepernick. And, and in Kansas City, it's a very supportive fan base. And when a team has an excellent defense, uh, you really, looking at the league overall, Kansas City certainly has a chance to, to, to meet or exceed 500. And that would be, uh, you know, excellent accomplishment by Andy Reid. One of the big questions here at Philadelphia is, what kind of reception will Andy Reid get? And also, when they retire Donovan McNabb's number and put him into the Wall of Fame, what will be the reaction of the Philadelphia hometown team? And I believe that Reid will be given the respect. He'll be given more cheers than jeers. There's obviously going to be a segment of mostly drunken fans who will uh, be booing Andy Reid. But the vast majority will cheer him for his 14-year tenure and wish him the best in Kansas City. At this point, given the utter absence of defense and given the fact that Alex Smith is a credentialed NFL quarterback, I think this game is going to be a close game, much closer than you would think. And I'm not entirely excluding the possibility of Kansas City coming in and Coach Reed sneak it out with a win, knowing how porous the Eagles' defense is. That should definitely be a whale of a football game. That's really the Super Bowl right now for the Philadelphia Eagles and their fan base. I cannot wait for that Thursday night football game. The grills will be lit. Rich Eisen and his NFL crew and his NFL Hall of Fame crew will be perched outside of Lincoln Financial Field. That will be a spectacle to see. All the Eagles fans coming in full force and I cannot wait to get those pigskins juiced up, to get the cold beers flowing, and to watch some NFL football on Thursday night. So that is going to be incredible. But I want to talk about a team. I want to go on a little rant for a second because I'm allowed to. I want to talk about the the Tennessee Titans played a spectacular game yesterday. They had a huge pick six up 17-16 to deep down in the heart of Texas in Houston at Reliance Stadium. They got a pick six. The team's up 24-16. to Jake Locker, who's now not the hurt locker, is absolutely balling. This team is gelling together. They're on their way to 2-0, but wait. Matt Schaub does it again. He he really steals. Um, what's that word? Jaws of victory. He st- he stole victory from the jaws of defeat. Yes, amen. That's beautiful, Bruce. So he did he he did that again. He came back again, down eight points. But my point is Tennessee. You gotta get it together. Those are those are games you gotta win early in the season. Later in the season, this AFC wild card spots up for grabs. The NFC is so much better than the AFC, and Tennessee really had a chance to go to two and zero to put a staple on that division to really be leading the AFC West. All they needed was one stop. They were up eight. Houston needed a two point conversion to convert and to tie it. And then you let, you know, Crendell Hopkins out of Clemson absolutely moss you in the end zone. You let little Matt Schaub come through. And, you know, Matt Schaub, I've been saying it. I think he's overrated. You know, I don't think he could throw the football that well. You kept Foster in check. You had a beautiful win versus Pittsburgh. Go back to Nashville 2-0. Get the job done. And that deserves like a come on, man. 
You, you know, Tennessee, it's just so sad. Their team, ever since Jeff Fisher left, they've been so close to cusping a playoff spot. And this was really a year. They had two fantastic weeks of practice. They came in prepared. They were right there, ready to take the leap to the top of the AFC South. And then they stopped short and couldn't push through those last 10 yards. Humiliating for Tennessee. They are going to have trouble getting it back together. Anyway, that was a fantastic hour of talking about some football. I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. We really definitely put in a lot of time watching football. And for us, it really is a joy to watch football. It's really pleasure. But um, we definitely tried to put forth a good work product as well as having fun this week while talking about football. I want to thank all the fans who listen to Bruce the Sports Talk. Again, we want to thank our sports director, Ray Ellis. He certainly looks like he could come back at his young age and, and, and be a very productive starter at safety for the Eagles, who are desperately in need of a safety, any safety. And certainly Ray was at the helm of one of the best defenses of all time for our men in green. Next week, we'll be back with a new edition of Brewster Sports Talk. Thanks. Enjoy the fall season. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Talk. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.